The Career Establishment's Talent Talk Asia podcast is brought to you in partnership with Vincere, the all-in-one CRM for ambitious recruitment businesses. Founded by Asia-based recruiters back in 2012, over a thousand recruitment companies choose Vincere to accelerate their growth. Whether your business is contract, temp, executive search or perm, if you're looking for a new breed of tech partner, talk to Vincere. Visit vincere.com io forward slash talent talk asia for an exclusive offer for all listeners of this podcast hi i'm andrea ross your host and in this series we feature some of the most successful talents from across the region to discuss the forces opportunities and challenges that are shaping the corporate landscape if you're keen to be a guest on the show then please reach out Hello, I'm Andrea Ross and you're listening to Talent Talk Asia podcast. As always, it's so nice to see the messages and thoughts you had after the last episode, but it's really important to us if you're able to rate it, review it and share it with as many people as you like. Of course, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, LinkedIn and our wonderful website, The Career Establishment. Before we kick off, do check out our Talent Tips Tuesday video series on YouTube where I tackle a recruitment challenge every week. Do reach out with your topics. Today, I'm joined by Kirsty Poltot, Director at Page Personnel Singapore. Kirsty graduated from the University of Warwick with a Bachelor of Science in Biochemistry and a Master's in Biomedical Engineering in 2005 and joined Page Personnel Finance in 2005 in Coventry, England, where she progressed from Associate Consultant through to Manager, to Senior Manager, Regional Manager, to Operating Director, before making the bold move to Singapore, where she now heads up the entire Page Personnel for Singapore, covering commercial functions. Now, they include Finance and Accounting, Sales and Marketing, Technology and Secretarial and HR, contracting and financial services and managing up to 40 fee earners. <gasps> 40 fee earners. Wow. God, it this sounds is like you've got a good job. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? It really does sound like you've got a good job. You have got a good job. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Welcome. Uh, we are actually in the offices uh, yeah. today, which is so nice and then not to do it on Zoom. So to actually, we've had coffee, but actually to do it in your offices is wonderful. So I'm just um, thankful that I don't have to hear screaming children in the background. So <laughs> I'm very appreciative we're yeah. here today. Right. Let's, let's kick off. Um, you graduated in biomedical engineering and you started with Page Personnel, where you've been for over 15 years, which is an achievement in itself. Now, what are your motivations at that point in your career to to join to join the recruitment industry okay I'm going to be super honest um, so I thought I was going to be some some scientist that was going to change the world and when I finished university after my master's I found that science didn't really pay that well um, the, the salaries were pretty low and I thought right what do I want to do um, seeing as I would like to earn some level of money um, and at the time there was lots of sales roles around in the market and all of them were kind of recruitment roles right, so I okay. started to think okay well I've moved around Europe as a child I like speaking to different people mm -hmm. I hopefully have relatively good people skills why don't I try sales and if I'm honest I joined Paige thinking I'll do this for a couple of years and then actually figure out what I want to do right. and I just fell in love with recruitment yeah. um, so I think that's a, a common story it of is, people is coming it? into recruitment it really is and I always just think it's so interesting that it's not necessarily 
part of job career fairs or, you know, because it pays well, it's a great career, you own your own, I mean, as I put it, you own your own diaries, you decide what your week looks like. It's very rare that, that you can get into careers and, and do that, that yeah. you dictate how, how that role is. So you join Page Personnel and for those that are out there that aren't so familiar with the differences between the two brands of Page Personnel and Michael Page, can you explain sort of the, the differences sure. between the two? That'd be really helpful. So Page Personnel is basically the brand of Page Group that looks after more professional support to middle level management. So we take people from maybe a couple years post-graduation yeah. through to maybe five to eight years of experience where they've started their management or leadership journey. And then when they're starting to go towards their second managerial role, they'd probably progress to the Michael Page brand. Right. So if you're looking at it from, especially out in Asia, a title perspective, does that sort of cut off at sort of the AVP level or do you go up to VP at some instances? No, I'd say mainly AVP. AVP. Yeah. Right. Okay. So what was the reason for Michael Page in the early days rebranding to have two separate entities? I think we just wanted to ensure that we had a brand that really targeted more of the junior or mid-level candidate pool. Mm. Um, Michael Page had a brand that was very strong at the mid to senior yeah. level, but yeah. it wasn't necessarily a brand that candidates or even clients would think would come to for more entry-level or mid-level positions. Um, so we found by branding Page Personnel, we actually were able to engage with that client base right. and maximize our market share. Right. So I suppose you, I suppose and I imagine from a marketing perspective, there was you were sort of more targeted where you went to attract candidates and clients yeah, as well. Yeah. yeah. And That's we've worked really hard in recent years to really bring the Page Personnel brand through. I think in Europe, it's a pretty prolific brand, mm. but definitely in Asia, it's still in its infancy. And in my five years here, I've really seen how it's grown and taken more impact and people are starting to recognize it as a brand now. And I, and I definitely want to go into a, a little bit more on that um, in, in a few moments. So talk, talk me through your career in the UK. What, what was it that you know, what were you doing in terms of your role there and what motivated you to move to Singapore? So I started my career in Coventry, which if you don't know Coventry... I've never been to Coventry. Nobody, to nobody wants to go to Coventry. Oh, <laughs> Good, they they bombed it in the World War and there's a reason they bombed it. Um, no, I mean... So it's all new buildings then. It's a bit yeah, like it's certain a bit, parts of Germany. It's a bit concrete. Oh, um, okay. I started in Coventry and that was very much a kind of SME manufacturing type okay. of environment. Um, very localised environment where clients really only want to engage with people that are from that area. Um, and I'm not okay. from that area. Area. So initially, that was that was a challenge. So where to kind are you of, from then? Originally from Surrey, but I okay. didn't live in the UK until I was eighteen. So so where were you before that? I don't uh, know. I Swe honestly don't know. <laughs> I grew up in Europe, so Sweden, Germany, Belgium. Did yeah. You? So my first language I learned was actually Swedish, not English. Do you, do you still speak Swedish now? Yes, I do. So. Was it mum or dad's job? Dad, around dad's Army job. Or? No, he works for ExxonMobil. Um, oh, so, so we've moved around quite a lot as as kids. So, so Singapore was a bit of a walk in the park then, wasn't it? It, it was an easier transition than mm. I would say most people would have to moving because well, you kind of know what you're dealing with. And which country did you spend the most time in? When you Sweden. Were Sweden. I would say wow. it's like my second home. I absolutely love it. Yeah, I love Sweden. It's beautiful. I love the Swedish people as well. Oh, they're so lovely. A very close friend at Swedish. So yeah. yeah, it's a beautiful place. And also the best place to be at Christmas time. A hundred percent. Okay, we'll quickly we, move on. <laughs> so so you so you were looking off, you were based in Coventry, yeah. not from Coventry, and you're doing the manufacturing SME. Tell yeah. me about that role and, and then what kind of got you to, to lead you to Singapore? 
So, I mean, ultimately, I just had to develop my client base and relationships and really start to ensure that people understood that I was committed to the area. Um, that was very much that kind of client base that they wanted to know that you were there for the long term. Okay. And obviously that I'd been in university in the area was good. Um, and actually, within a couple of years, I quickly developed my name and actually had a lot of repeat businesses. And I think that propelled me to get to a leadership position. So I got promoted to a manager at the age of 25, which was pretty young for the nice. UK business. And how big was the team? that you were looking six. after six yeah and um, they were all yeah. older than me <laughs> and so all had way that? more how was that for you me? well I also got promoted just as the GFC hit nice and nice I got timing. promoted to manager of a business in Wolverhampton which if you don't know England it's it's even more manufacturing and um, it's even more localized Wolverhampton <laughs> so um, I took that job and that was pretty intense first year um, just because we were almost delighted if our if our team picked up one or two jobs a week for the whole team. And it had gone from sort of 20 to 25 jobs for the whole team mm. to one to two per week. So it was a sort of baptism of fire as a leader to yeah. try to build the right strategy to engage with people and also to be managing people that had so much more experience yeah. than I did. did you have, how did you sort of overcome that? Were there any sort of challenges with managing older people or were they pretty easy going and it, it worked out fine oh no I, I made a lot of mistakes right. yeah I definitely made a lot of yeah. mistakes I lost a few people and I think that was definitely down to me anything that stands um, out but the, the reason I asked that question is that I'm coaching someone at the moment that, that is managing someone a little bit older and I think it's really interesting to to know what were some of those mistakes or um what was it you did and sort of had an impact that you sure. changed your style in that respect I think initially I just took the more tell approach, which right. doesn't really work with right. more mature, experienced people. I didn't listen to their feedback. I was sort of like, this is what got me to be successful. Yeah. So it will yeah. help you. And the people I was working with, um, you know, they had areas to grow, mm. but rather than make them part of their learning journey, I sort of dictated for a while. And I think through losing people, I realized I looked myself in the mirror one day and I was like, this is actually my fault. Yeah. And yeah. I started to adapt my style and I asked for a lot of feedback. Yeah. And then I looked at where their strengths were, which could complement the team. And yeah. I got them involved in the learning for the whole team, which made it more of a project for the team. Yeah, so it's um, more of a purpose amongst yeah. the team. Yeah, And um, yeah, I used my strengths to, you know, hopefully build up on their weaknesses and and, yeah. and we were a stronger team for it yeah fantastic and that was looking after finance and accounting or finance and yeah. accounting okay okay so um, my career in the UK I always looked after finance and accounting so from managing in Wolverhampton I progressed to managing at the end I was a director of five locations which was basically the Midlands of England so anything okay. north of London through right. to Nottingham right so my role involved pretty much driving every day to one of my offices so that oh, really? could be sort of six hours in total in oh, the car gosh, really? every day so um, music between blaring. two and six yeah. um so yeah I got very used to listening and singing along to my radio yeah um but yeah I mean my role was basically to turn around um businesses that maybe weren't performing to the level okay. that they needed to and I think that's really what I did in the UK I took on those challenging jobs mm. maybe the jobs that people didn't really really want to yeah. take on the not so sexy jobs yeah um but really you could have a, a real immediate impact if you put the right strategy in place so when you were when you were going in to sort out um those sort of messes was mess was there a certain strategy sort of the first couple of weeks it tended to look a certain way the things that you would actually do or how you would approach it I didn't really do anything in the first couple of weeks apart from observe and listen. Yeah. So normally I'd spend my right? first yeah. Yeah. month would be just 
let's just see what's going on yeah. because it's very easy to look from the outside and go well yep yeah, I see that this is not right this yeah. is not right this is not yeah. right just look at the data and metrics yeah. as opposed to what's really going on but you're not going team. to get any engagement from your people if you suddenly go in and just tell them everything that's not going right yeah so I absolutely. look at trying to find where the strengths are of a business mm-hmm. and where there's opportunities to maximize on those strengths yeah and so I find that just by taking some time to wait and observe it's not that you're not doing anything, you're doing a lot, yeah. but you're just not saying a lot. Yeah. And I think it also gives people a bit more time to feel comfortable with you so that mm-hmm. when it comes to that moment where you're going to give feedback and put a little bit of strategy in place, yeah. they're Good open. Point. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you're building that trust in the early days as well. I think if you're going in steamrolling in, you're, yeah. you know, shutters are down, no one's going to be listening. So what was it that motivated you to come to Singapore then? Was it the opportunity? Was it that you got itchy feet and you wanted to, to explore the world? You know, what, what was it that... So, I mean, I, I really love that Page Group is always a business that is very focused on providing international opportunities and sort of mm. every appraisal we have, you can put down where you'd like to move and love how quickly that. you'd like to move. Awesome. A- and I'd always been doing it. And actually my MD and RMD at that time had always been saying, look, do you want to do this? Is it, You keep putting it down. Is it something you want to do? Yeah. But there was always something more that I needed to achieve in the UK and mm. I didn't want to leave until I'd achieved those right. those um, those milestones for myself. Um But I think at the time when I moved to Singapore, I was in a state personally and professionally where it was just a good time to go. I I really could see that my teams were going to be left in a good state. And I thought, right, if I don't go now from a personal perspective, Mm. I may never go. I Mm. may just stay in England. You buy the house. Um, Kids are at the school. Exactly. I had no kids. um, And I was like, right, this is the time to go. So So what was um, the opportunity then when you first landed? What was that role? So when I first came here, I was to launch the contracting business for Singapore for page group right and they had um, no there was no contracting business there was no at all. contracting business for we, page group yeah for okay. page group so michael page and page personnel mm-hmm. it was to launch the contracting business mm-hmm. um so that was really exciting because yeah. i mean my career i've done perm and i've done temp but i absolutely love temp and contracting i think it's such an exciting area mm-hmm. and so much opportunity for a business so the fact that singapore didn't have uh, contracting I was like, that's brilliant. I can't wait yeah. to get my teeth yeah. stuck into that. And what year was that? Um, that was 2015. Right. So I, I moved here in October 2015. Um, and then I was going to help grow some parts of page personnel. Um, and fast forward a couple of months being here, I was given the whole of page personnel <laughs> and contracting. <laughs> Gosh, so wow. you, must, you must have done something right <laughs> in those first few months. Uh, I'm not sure, but yeah, it was. It, it became a very, very exciting and meaty role. Yeah, um, already launching the contracting business was going to be pretty. And how uh, was that busy. for you? I'm really, I'm really keen because for for us at Robert Waters, I say us. I'm, I'm always going to say us. I think for Robert Waters, but the contracting was already established. So for you coming into, was there already sort of a few desks doing contracting ad hoc or was it there were a few there were a few desks that had dabbled and when I say dabbled it's sort of one or two placements um and if they were we tended to do more fixed term contract than payroll right so it was also the re-education of why payroll could be really beneficial for our business and you know what kind of uh, market share we could get with that Mm. so it was really interesting I had to build up my team and I I looked externally for individuals that could help support that um you just stole one of my favorites but I wasn't there at that time so I I, I don't feel so bad 
been there. <laughs> no, she may not have done, but um, we're going to we're going to mention Melissa Lane because we we love yeah, her. Yeah, we love Melissa. So yes, I brought Melissa over because she'd had extensive experience in contracting both in the UK and yeah. Singapore. Yeah, and I needed somebody that had that knowledge of how the market worked, some of the legislation, mm. because honestly, in my first couple of months of looking at contracting. I was really surprised because it, it operated a little bit more like a perm market yes, for me than how it so. worked yeah. in the UK, which yeah. is more, you know, very fast paced interim mm. contracting. Mm. So it really helped to bring somebody like her on board to kind of stabilize the structure and to make sure we had the right strategy. And also mm. when I was having moments of going, why can't we do this? I don't understand why this isn't possible. Yeah. I had somebody who's been here for quite a bit of time going, yeah. look, this is the reason yeah. and this is the way we navigate it. Yeah. And that she was, was really great. She, she was doing, uh, was it HR and business support, I think, yeah. wasn't she? Yeah, so it wasn't sort of the technical bit. So when you were building up, was that to cut across every function, sort of IT, HR, you know, what was the plan? So, so we launched um, tech, um, finance and accounting, and right. HR and secretarial, just because we have historically seen a fair amount of uh, potential there. Yeah. Not necessarily yeah. that we'd converted it, but there was potential there. So yeah. I didn't want to go all over the market. I mm. wanted to focus on where our strengths were and mm. obviously leverage within the business. Yeah. That makes sense. And so when so you so you you stole Melissa. What else did you what else did you um, how what was your kind of strategy at hiring other people? Did you look at other consultants that had contract experience or did you internally move people across the office? So we had we had some we had some internal moves. Um, Some people that were in the business already um, talented and had actually shown a preference in their desk to be placing on the contracting side. So we had a few people transfer over um, and both of those individuals have progressed through to associate director now. So they've seen a really great progression um, which is lovely to see. Yeah. did look at some individuals in the contracting space externally, but I think at the mm. time, because we were new, it, it was probably a little bit challenging to attract that talent pool. Yeah. Um, because if they were established, book. why would they come? They've yeah. got their book. Yeah, exactly. um, Whereas I think now we've got a much more exciting proposition. Um, so we took on some juniors that we well, coached and trained up and we've seen significant success with you through those individuals as well so those businesses is there any other is it still hr sectoral finance and accounting and tech we also um are in financial services okay. and um we do some work in sales and marketing and supply chain ah okay yeah. that's interesting so what would you say when you first moved out to singapore what was sort of your mate the sort of the biggest hurdles for you whether that's personal or professional um I think probably the biggest hurdle was even though I knew I was coming to Asia and I wanted to learn how to manage in a different culture and with a different client base. And even though people explain it's different because Mm. it seems, you know, when you come to visit, it seems quite westernized in a lot of ways in terms of, um, you know, how people interact with you. But once you get here, you really appreciate that there is a lot of cultural nuances Mm that you cannot disregard. Mm. And I think initially I just assumed that my tenure in the UK, I was a top biller. I was on all of our high flyers, even as a director, I was on those those kind of achievements. So I felt that my tenure and my results should have afforded me sort of um, some buy-in, some trust, Um, that didn't come um, and that's fine I, I understand why now God damn it. yeah I mean well obviously when you move around in the UK people buy into you and they trust you based on your track record and yeah. only when you yeah. break that trust do they yeah. do they um, obviously disengage mm. but here it, it's a bit the inverse you've got to 
um, you know, they're always very respectful, but you've got to earn it. You've got yeah. to show yeah. what you're doing for them, their team, what the impact mm. is you're going to and have. long term. Yeah. Relationship wise. Um, yeah. So I think probably, especially my first year, um, that was the biggest hurdle is just to get that, that trust and to be sure that when I was speaking to my key people and especially my leaders, that I was actually getting the right message and, and I actually understood what they meant and um, that, yeah, that we were actually honest with each other and we had that engagement moving forward. And that was, that was hard. Yeah. Honestly hard. Yeah. I, I, I don't think it's any different from anyone moving out now. I mean, obviously it's a little bit different this year with people moving, but yeah. we, on our onboarding program, we ended up carving out a section, which was um, at Rob Walters, just cultural training. Yeah. Because what we found was, I mean, we were never hiring a huge amount of expatriates. It was more local based in the later days. But when we did hire expatriates, there were just odd sort of things that were happening that we were getting feedback that um, from Singaporeans or Asians that it wasn't working. So it might yeah. be an expat would walk over in the kitchen and go, oh God, what's this, what is that smell? Oh my God, is that durian? And go really, and you know, the person yeah. eat, quite enjoying their durian was a little bit offended, quite, you know, naturally, understand. And so it was about teaching um, expatriates to realise that you, you might be come across as humour and a bit funny, but actually it's really offensive. Yeah. Um, so it's just like these little, th- like just these little things um, no, that I actually totally had agree. a huge amount of impact. And actually it worked really well. And we would have a um, Singaporean senior consultant or manager run that particular training. Yeah. And, you know, I can't remember all the ins and outs of it now, but I remember the food one was always one that came up quite a lot. No, we, we do something similar now. It's definitely yeah. helpful. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm really quite a sarcastic person and my sarcasm did not work on anybody <laughs> here. Um, it, it was it was pretty bad. Uh, so <laughs> I've learned to temper that. <laughs> I love it. So let's accelerate to the present day. Talk yeah. me through the role that you're in now. Yeah, so I'm still running page personnel and all of contracting. Yep. Um, that that is seven teams and currently about thirty five people. Yeah. Um, and really, my remit right now is to grow that business even further. I mean, we have thirteen micro page disciplines, and the goal eventually is that page personnel should try to mirror all of the micro page disciplines at the right time. Got it. So you said seven, seven, um, pages seven teams for page yeah. personnel yeah. and there's 13 in Michael Page yes. and you want to eventually yeah I mean we're relevant um there has to be a marketplace for for page personnel tomorrow but there are a few areas that we could look at in the in the next few years is that something you can share or is that sort of top secret top you'd have secret to kill me right, for, now. right okay right now <laughs> but I think right now ultimately what we need to do is scale some of these businesses um obviously in terms of headcount he- or yeah, yeah. headcount okay. Um, there's a lot of opportunity and yes obviously this year has been challenging but the outlook that I'm hearing from clients for next year post Q1 is pretty positive so we want to be in the state where we maximize that potential. I know when we spoke over coffee we were talking about um, that you hadn't let people go that you'd actually been able to keep the team relatively intact so was was there anything that you were doing differently up up to that point of covid or you know you know what what can you um sort of share with me a little bit more on um that position because that's obviously not the case for every recruitment firm out there in asia some have closed down some have have had to really downsize so what was it what was the reason for you you guys being in that great position 
I think we just think more long term about it and we're and we're happy to ride the wave um be it on the the negative or the positive if we've got the right people and we do have the right people right people it doesn't always mean that the result is immediately there it's yeah. the attitude it's the input yeah. um it's their efforts and if you've got somebody like that we can't fault them for the market having issues yeah. and yeah. we all know that when the market turns it will accelerate really quickly yeah. And I think that's what we've been thinking about is just making sure that everybody's got the right strategy, mm. had the right coaching, the right training mm. so that when it flips next year, they can be as successful as they wanted to yeah. be. Obviously, some things have delayed this year um, and we've all had to learn a bit of patience with regards to our careers and what yeah. we want to achieve. Yeah. But I think we've all been talking more about that mid to long term view. Yeah. And, you know, I'm really proud that we didn't um, let anybody go and, you know, we're able to look after people here in Singapore. Yeah, I, I think it's amazing. I think it's also really helpful having the contract book because I think having that steady income coming yeah. through makes a major difference, right? Yeah. So I think for any recruitment firm looking at their future is really building that book. So the one thing that I'm really keen to talk about, if you're, if you're okay to do that, because I know it can sometimes be a bit of a sensitive topic, is, you know, Rob Waters and Michael Page, um, we didn't pay commission. You know, it was more on a team bonus pool. Um and it was based on a variety of factors. How does it work for page personnel? Is it the same or? No, page personnel, we could pay commission. Okay. So we pay commission. And what's the um, reason for being different to, to Michael Page then? Why not I have think the same when model? we set it up, um, and this is actually globally, we pay commission in page personnel. Right, okay. so a lot of people don't know that. No, they just assume that we work, we work discretionary yeah, bonuses like that. MP or RW. Um, is it transparent what that commission structure yeah. is? Can yeah. you share it? No, is it out there? I'm saying that because some recruitment firms will absolutely say it's 40%, it's 20%, it's 22%. And some of the rectorec also put out what the price is. It's okay if you don't want to share, but I'm just quite, I'm oh, just I nosy. Don't, I, don't, I don't know it's what not out there. you would say. I mean, I think if you've engaged with us, you'll know it. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is to find out, give you a call. Yes, come and have a chat with me. I can tell you all about I'm, it. I'm just going to call the Rectorec people after this podcast and they'll tell me. But um, okay, so I think it's, it's not just... so transparent that you would you would air that. It's something that you would have on a one-to-one -one basis with someone, but it yes. is transparent amongst the team. Yes, it's okay. super transparent on business and anybody okay. that interviews us would, would hear the transparency. Okay. I think the reason that I don't want to answer is more because um, I want to be sure that we can explain it properly to somebody and all yeah. the elements of it. And it's one thing to blast it out into the ether. It's another thing to explain the entirety of how it fine. works. I, but I, I know how it, I, I know it can be a, a little bit of a, a I've topic. Got a, that... I've got a political answer for this one, haven't I? <laughs> yeah, it's okay. It's all good. It's, it's not um, the podcast to make you feel uncomfortable. So I'll, I'm going to ask you another question sure. to get you off it so, you, so we can change the subject. What's the one misconception about working at page personnel that you want to debunk? That page personnel only deals with junior roles and junior points mm. of contact. Mm. I must admit, I um, did think I did think that. So no, so that's and so that's great to know that it isn't the case. No, I'm actually, a yeah. lot of my consultants are dealing with general managers, CEOs. Uh, CFOs for their roles. Um, yeah, of course, we support some more junior profiles, but yeah. not all of our businesses are cut off by salary cutoff. Some are cut off by job type cutoff. So mm. there's a real variety in how the market splits. And I think there is a misconception of what yeah. we do. Um, so again, call me. Yeah. <laughs> call me. Um, is there kind of internal, um, is there internal sort of challenges or rifts sometimes between 
the two teams because there might be a, a job oh, type. you're or asking a, the contentious questions I mean, now. Like, <laughs> I've experienced it myself when, you know, you've got a contract and perm and, you know, it was my role. No, it wasn't mine. Um, so do you know what? I think historically there has been, yeah. definitely. Um, but that happened to me in the UK and it happened early days here in Singapore. But I think we've worked really hard as a leadership group to make sure that we have very clear guidelines, right. that every brand has an opportunity to really maximize their potential and feels right. like they have a good chunk right. of the market. So there really aren't many so arguments So you're not getting anymore. consultants saying to a client, no, it's definitely an AVP role or it's definitely a VP role. No, no, I definitely changed that title. You're not getting any of that. No, Fantastic. I'm really, I'm really good. pleased about that. Yeah. Go, go back maybe five years. Yes. Yeah. But now, no. Good. And it's really great because ultimately, if we're fighting between ourselves, we're not actually attacking the market and we just need to be out in the market. Yeah. There's it's plenty of business for us. Yes, it is. Yeah. So in terms of competitors then, who are the main ones that in your space for page personnel do you tend to come up against? Um, I would say sometimes Robert Walters, Hayes sometimes. Yeah, okay. Um, so not your the, a Deco manpower. Yeah, a Deco. Just yeah. come into them. Yeah, yeah a Deco. Okay. Um, for very junior stuff, maybe we will come up against Recruit Express, but it's really a totally different level yeah. of service they're giving. Yeah, um, that hasn't changed over the years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so those are the players. And then on the tech side, you know, you've got the boutiques. Yeah, the yeah. lot. Yeah, yeah, everyone's in that space. Now, I really wanted to tackle a topic with you today, which I'm really excited about. It's it's one it's something that I'm really passionate about. And I know when we caught up over coffee, we felt there was a kind of a, a common passion there, which was on employee engagement and yeah. retaining top talent. Love it. Um, so, you know, we know it's a topic that encompasses turnovers, training development, succession planning, performance management. And, 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 and so it's just great to actually be able to tackle that. Now, for those people that are listening to the podcast that are perhaps emerging leaders um, or are a leader, but just haven't had that need a bit of a refresher, then I we really want to talk about employee engagement. Now, Gallup, which is a sort of research analytics house, um, they have done loads of work on the yeah. employee engagement um, and they they reported only 15% of employees worldwide are engaged in their jobs, meaning that they're an emotionally invested in committing their time, the talent and, and, and energy and adding value to their team. Um, but what we're obviously finding is that so many people sitting in, in jobs are just not engaged. They're mm. in fact disengaged. Now Gallup have done a survey that's kind of these on these 12 questions. And I've put it somewhere because I knew I wouldn't remember all the 12 and they did, um, they did sort of an ongoing employee survey and they had 12 questions that consist of 12 actionable workplace elements. You could ask your team, you could put it on, yeah. a, you could pay for their survey or you could obviously probably on the cheap do it yourself. And some of those questions were, do you know what is expected of you at work? Do you have the materials and equipment to do your work right? At work, do you have the opportunity to do what you do best every day? Do you have a best friend at work? All these kind of things. Yeah. Um, and I just think they're fantastic questions to really kind of gauge um, whether someone is engaged or not. And yeah. it's obviously work through with that team on improving that. And so, it, you know, it continues to be a huge challenge for managers to identify the secret source to achieving employee engagement, especially in this market. So what has tended to keep you personally energized um, and engaged at work? Not your team, but you. Talent Talk Asia is brought to you in partnership with Vincere, the all-in-one CRM for ambitious recruitment businesses. Visit vincere.io forward slash Talent Talk Asia 
for an exclusive offer for all listeners of this podcast. Um, I would say the people I work with, I really need to surround myself with people that um, energize me, that inspire me. Yeah. Um, they they might be people that report into me. They might be people mm-hmm. that I report into. But for me, I get up to go to work every day and I'm excited to come to work. Yeah. And nice. I, I, I like that feeling. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. I, I would hate for that feeling to go away. Yeah. But I think a lot of it is the people that I engage with yeah. and um, that I feel like I'm working with good, ethical people that want to work hard yeah. with a common goal. So how do you encourage that then? Because, you know, you're feeling inspired. How are you then encouraging them, you know, that that's a reciprocal relationship, that you're inspiring them? I think I get them very involved in every step Mm -hmm. of our vision. So I might have an overall goal of what we need to do in a vision, but I make sure that I put their goals into it and their vision for their teams and their businesses. Um, I've just found over the years that it, you get a far better plan and result if people are all emotionally engaged. And that means that yeah. their vision or their goal has to be part of yeah, the wider absolutely, goal. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, I mean, obviously sometimes it needs to be tweaked a little bit for yeah. both sides. Yeah. But I think if somebody understands that you've got what they want at the heart of what you're mm-hmm. doing, they will go the extra mile. Yeah. They will walk absolutely. over hot coals for you yeah. and you would do the same for them. Yeah. But I don't ask anything of my people that I wouldn't do myself. Okay. I really don't. But so I think that's pretty important. Yeah. What what has demotivated you at work that's led to disengagement? You know, this could be something in the past or maybe this year with COVID. You know, can you sort of share that with me? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I've experienced many moments of demotivation um, at Page, mainly because my job has changed so often. I've taken on new roles pretty mm. consistently or my scope has grown. But I suppose where I felt um, demotivated in the past is more maybe not quite understanding the next steps to, to my next goal or mm. maybe knowing that I that I have a gap in my knowledge base but not knowing how to, right. to necessarily right. um, grow in that area. Yeah. And maybe at that point, I haven't had that conversation with my direct manager. So yeah. I'm kind of in limbo of yeah. what do I need yeah. to do? And let's be honest, once you're at a certain level of leadership, you're not always talking to your manager every week about your own growth and no, engagement, no, right? You, so like you kind of get forgotten, really. It's <laughs> the conversation is mainly about your people. So is that something then, if you're conscious of that in your own career, yeah. how do you encourage the, to give your guys and boys and girls the space? Is there sort of quarterly appraisals, PDP? What is it that gets them to say, look, you know, this is how I'm feeling? Yeah, Where's I mean, so we do half yearly appraisals appraisals um officially with page group but we also do quarterly reviews yeah and then once a month i'll do like a monthly review with um individuals to talk about their pdps so their professional development plans um where they're tracking alongside that Mm. um is there any learning they need or coaching they need Mm. um are there any skill gaps um or just generally how motivated they are by that is it still the same that's your sense check as well then i suppose that monthly more than anything that's probably quite important one-on-one yeah I try to get around everybody at least once a month or once every month and a half just to be sure that I have a good understanding because obviously I don't have touch points with every single person that works in page personnel all the time yeah of course um but it is really important for me to check in and the managers do that themselves or the associate directors but I do think it's important that as a leader 
of the whole business, I have a, a, a review so that I can look at things. So those monthly parapet. check-ins, they're with your managers or? No, no, with the individuals. With all the 35, 40 people? Yeah. So, so I do them a bit, on a bit of a cycle. So I would say a, maybe 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 like monthly is a bit bit uh, bit bit but ambitious. You try and get around Pro- people pro- fairly regularly. Probably uh, you know once or twice a quarter. Yeah. I'm yeah. definitely having those yeah. check-ins and monthly with the managers on those those topics. And when you're so you're you're catching up with someone of a sort of a junior nature, yeah. do you sort of let them know that agenda beforehand, or do you just throw that out and say it's just a catch up? Like how how do you approach that? Um, well, I used to just invite them for, yeah. for a catch-up. That's when they completely then, shit then, themselves that they're then, actually uh, going to be meeting you. For yeah, a, I think... What have I done? What have I done? <laughs> I thought I was doing really well. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm really approachable and quite, you know, easy <laughs> Come going. Come on, let's go, so, let's go. <laughs> so, yeah, I used to just send like an invite and be like, let's have a catch-up. Uh, and now I put a bit of structure to it yeah. and I put, you know, look, these yeah. are the areas I want to talk about, if there's anything yeah. you want to talk about. Um, but it is genuinely meant to be very informal. I'm yeah. not looking for, you know, lots of stats and KPI no. analysis. But you have to sort I of let people know, don't they? Because their natural sort of feeling is, oh God, am I in trouble? So I, it's, yeah. Yeah, I feel like, I find that hard to believe when I think about myself. But I remember when oh, my no, director used to... <laughs> Yeah, when my director used to ask me for a meeting, I'd be like, oh my God. What have I done? Well, I'm going to get fired. Yeah. I don't want to go with that yeah, meeting. It's just, it's Whereas natural. now I'm that person. I'm like, well, why would they be worried? Yeah, but- I think when you do it a few times, people realize that it is okay. But if you, yeah, yeah but it's, I think it was always an interesting one. How do you go about keeping, especially this year, gosh, I think everyone's had to accelerate this particular topic. How have you gone about keeping your team members motivated and yeah. energized? Right. Well, I mean, everybody's motivated by something different, but obviously um, in True. recruitment, we're all motivated by money, which mm-hmm. may have taken a hit this year somewhat in terms yeah. of bonuses yeah. or commission. So I think it's about celebrating the small wins. So mm-hmm. something that I do for my business and I've done since I came to Singapore is I have a Monday morning, a Monday meeting with my whole team. So I talk about what we've done the previous week, what's worked, maybe the areas we need to focus on. And then each team talks about their wins and what their focus is for the week and does team highlights so that as a totality for page personnel um, we get to understand what everybody else is doing because I think if you're working in finance and accounting why do you need to talk to somebody in sales and marketing necessarily about what they're doing but by having that touch point on a weekly basis I think it it helps with the engagement it's invigorating for others as as well if you can hear those highlights or what's worked well I think if you've had a tough week and somebody else has had a great week and they've shared something you're like yes okay I'm going to try and do that Um, we do a lot of kind of uh, virtual BD sessions like together and all that that sort of stuff Oh, it's quite fun. Yeah. Just well, you just put your screens on and you yeah, just do your little on and cool. crack on and then like, crack quickly, on. quickly, t- quickly type what we've achieved. And, you know, yeah. I think people like to do stuff together and we're yes. salespeople. So Agreed. even if we're not in the office, mm. just having the touch points where we're together, yeah. um, you know, we do quizzes to start the day, um, you know, virtual kind of events or game nights or whatever, just to, to keep yeah, that engagement really nice. going. Do you get those um, ideas from marketing do, do, the, do the consultants bring those ideas to the forum on what they would like to be doing to keep people connected like where do those ideas on those initiatives come from so I think as a leadership group so my associate directors and I we talk about this and try to come up with different ways of engagement mm. but I also have a group of senior cons that uh, meet on a monthly basis to talk about um, these type of topics Fantastic. so both internal love and external yeah, um, and then they'll feedback um, yeah. and we'll often implement some of their strategies because yeah. um, I think that 
that's important because they've got a closer touch point to a consultant or an associate consultant know how they're feeling um so i think it's a joint effort yeah um good and yeah i, I mean that. we've got little incentives running that are not necessarily based about revenue but about the inputs you're doing and little prizes to win and you know they're small things but it keeps people yeah. excited and engaged yeah I think I mean one thing that I was sort of quite fascinated by the the Gallup survey was one of one of those 12 questions was do you have a best friend at work yeah and I you know when I looked at that I thought yeah actually that was why I stayed yeah. in a company for so long. Because I know when we called up for coffee, we're sort of dinosaurs to yeah. stay in a company longer than tw- <laughs> you were 15, you beat me. So, you know. Oh, I was going to say something else about this. Cool. cool. Um, I was also just going to say, it's not just about the small things you're doing right now in yeah. terms of like the virtual events or the quizzes or the engagement. It's also about going back to that PDP piece and making sure that you are re- reviewing mm. it. And adapting it if you think that the market has slightly changed then looking at those goals to make sure they are still a stretch but achievable for that person because I think everybody just needs to know that next year they can achieve something you know their goals their promotions so I think Mm. if you're not doing that right now that's that's a right so adapting that so what's the difference between your PDP and an appraisal is this that the PDP is more driven by that consultant Uh, appraisal is more of our official forum of going through a review we've got it's online. We've got a lot of different questions for you to an- self-analyze right, yourself and right. for your leader to al- analyze yeah. you. And then various questions on feedback that we can take as a business to make sure that the employee experience mm. is as good as it can be. Mm. Um, so that's more of like your official, like let's look at the goals that were set at the, the first part of the yeah. year in Jan. And yeah. in June, let's review how you've got along with them. And there's right. a bit of a scoring matrix and things like that. And okay. it's sort of a more official forum. Yeah. Um, I don't think anything should be a surprise in that meeting these types of feedback should have been coming through yeah. either from me or from the leader. Weekly, yeah. yeah, weekly. Yeah. This should not be a surprise. A PDP is off the back of these appraisals, making mm. sure that we've got targets in place. Now, they can be to your next promotion yeah. or they can be uh, focused on trying to get to, to a certain level of earning potential mm. by developing skills. Mm. So it's not every PDP is promotion yeah, related. It's, more of a co- it's sort of a coaching plan yeah. really, isn't I, it? I just find yeah. that people like to have documents that clearly show them where they're going and what they need to work on it's not even just the document either is it's actually having that that opportunity to discuss what is happening in six months because I think you know quite a lot of people well I think it's particularly in Asia where people are a little bit more aware of you know I want to be promoted in a year or two years it's it's shorter time spans than perhaps I would have necessarily looked at so I think it's I think it's great to have that in place um now, as we know, employee engagement is the emotional commitment to the employee has to yeah. the organization and its goals. How do you typically go about trying to achieve that for your teams? I think I probably highlighted this before. It really is that mm. commitment to making sure that their goals are aligned with my goals and that the vision overall for the business encompasses it. But actually really making sure that I follow up on that with those key mm. individuals mm. and showing that I have a personal commitment to them to achieving yeah. it. It's not just about putting it on paper. Yeah. and talking about it yeah. it's actually a consistent review of it because yeah. really easy to set something up and be like oh this looks really pretty and yeah. let's try and achieve this and everybody gets really excited at the first part and then three months later you're like okay nobody's reviewing this mm. so I think it's that consistency of committing to that review yeah. and showing you know not being frightened to shy away from the tough feedback as well as the mm-hmm. positive feedback mm-hmm. to help them grow and so if you've got a 
imagine if you've got a junior consultant that's yeah. quite keen to get promoted to say senior consultant and so that PDP has got set goals in place for yeah. them to get there how is that manager that you're coaching dedicate time during the week for that person's development other than just KPIs and you know it's the developing them to achieve those PDP goals how do you encourage or coach your managers to get the managers to think we as opposed to just their own goals you know to be developing those individuals and achieve and get and help develop that junior consultant get to senior consultant I might be really lucky but my leaders are really great at this and they yeah. they really see the the they really buy into the reality of what you need to do to coach your people it's not just about the revenue and mm. the KPIs they really yeah. think about what challenges do that person face and how could they support them so it might be on the desk training or supporting them with certain calls with clients to show them a different way of doing things so they get a better result um it might be supporting them with some strategy in their market to make sure they're maximizing yeah. their potential yeah. it's not spoon feeding yeah I, I hasten to yeah. say it's not spoon feeding but it's just coaching through certain but they elements. are dedicated to getting them to where they want to be yeah I wouldn't say that potentially it's every week there's a coaching session mm. on these type of things but mm. there's I mean there's always consistent review weekly of somebody's portfolio and across a month a manager would identify look this is the challenge this person is facing maybe I need to coach on this or maybe they'll ask me to do a coaching session or right. we might ask somebody from our L&D team if we think they're more relevant to right. sit down with that effort. person right. we just assess who's best at yeah. doing that coaching because you know certain trainings I'm I'm not as fantastic at as somebody else and yeah. you just have to Playing be to own strengths. Yeah, yeah. open to that now you head up diversity and inclusion talk yes. me through what's involved in the role how much of an impact that's had on individuals and any sort of success stories that you can share sure um I'm really passionate about the DNI committee here in Singapore and I think um page overall as a company we're very we're trying to push the envelope in terms of what we're doing for dni mm -hmm. and in the uk we've just been awarded the gold standard um by clear assured for uh, our dni efforts and some wow. of the stuff we're doing in uh the uk is absolutely fantastic can you, it's can just... you tell me what the kind of things that you're doing oh that's so they're replicating out here well, I think DNI is in a different state in Asia overall, yeah. but I'll come to that. Yeah, okay. I mean, in the UK, we're doing so much. So we've we've got various programs focused on parents, family, um, people with disabilities. Um, uh, so some of the things we're doing in the UK, like we offer childcare to parents if their children are sick so that they can still get to work. Um, you know, if they wow. need to, like there's a certain amount of childcare. God, yeah, so there's like emergency childcare so that if your kid is at, at daycare and they turn out to be sick, you can get somebody from an agency to come pick Gosh, them up and amazing. look after them for that that's period amazing. so you can facilitate that. Yeah. Um, we've got a pretty exciting maternity scheme and then the return to work. There's a lot of coaching sessions for parents, not just mums but dads too like your child might be going through this how will you manage that yeah. with the yeah. workplace etc so there's a lot about parents um we do a lot um with regards to various disabilities and how we can support that in the workplace um oh there's so many every time i read what we're doing in the uk it's i just exciting. get super excited yeah. and then you realize you're um, in asia so um, yeah i think just tell me asia what's is happening it, out here yeah. what's going on here that you have been able to push through and, and that you're proud of sure so i think there's always been a commitment to dni but I think ultimately Asia is a little bit further behind than the mm. UK market. So what we've done in Singapore, like the most recent thing we've done that I'm really proud of is we have implemented a phased return scheme for people coming back from maternity leave. So what does that mean? That means that for the first month that somebody's back, they get paid 100%, but they only have to work about 50% of the month 
It's fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's it makes like, everyone want to go and have a baby. It's yeah. fantastic. Well, there, there are other challenges to that, but yeah, yeah, why not? <laughs> um, so I think that's pretty exciting. And, yeah. and I just um, came back from a maternity leave where I did the phased return. And the first time around, I just came back 100% of the time. And the, the difference in how I felt yeah. Yeah, I in bet. terms of transitioning was, yeah. was huge. Can I just ask a question on that? Um, is that to Singaporeans, PRs, employment passes, everyone. We don't discriminate. Yeah, everybody so that, gets the benefit. See, I loved, yeah, we, so we literally, everybody is equal. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love that. So, T- um, tell me about the, 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 the guys' side. Anything for men? Anything on the paternity side? So this is our next agenda. Mm. We'll be launching something in the next few months, looking at not just their paternity leave, but also mm. um, some of the flexibility we can offer them. This was the first step that we did for mums, but yeah. for sure dads. Yeah, because um, I think that's it's always something. Yeah, because I think it's not it's not all diverse inclusion. It can't just it's on gender, but it can't always be pushing just for women, no, right? Because I think yeah, I think I know when my husband he went straight back to work after sort of four weeks, and God, it's, it was just hell. Yeah, it was no, he didn't even have four weeks off. I think he literally had like a week off or something, and it was just it was hell. Yeah, I could have really have loved to have had him to have longer time off. Yeah. You know? You don't get a manual for for being a parent. Um, What else are you doing that you're Um, proud of? So we we do a lot focused on kind of mental health and kind of Mm. well-being. So we've done various sort of um, events, you know, for exercise and health um, focused areas. But we also do a lot of coaching sessions or or presentations on, you know, how can you look after your own mental well-being, especially during the COVID times. And we partner with an external provider that can provide counseling services for our individuals um so it's completely anonymous but they can call the line and they can have face-to-face or virtual counseling in sessions. singapore yeah that's yeah, amazing it's, it's amazing that, that's, um, that, so, that is that's actually made my day to hear that i yeah. think that's incredible do people do you know if people are using it yeah people do use it that's amazing i think you know really we've good. had this this really service good. for about three years and i think it's taken a lot of discussion to get people to use it yeah and obviously not everybody's going to be being like yes i use it yeah but, of course. Um, <laughs> but i think it's fantastic to have it there and yeah. definitely you know we can obviously see through reports the usage obviously not who's using it but yeah. the fact that people more and more people are and i think definitely during this covid period I think that's been a really welcome support for individuals. But we've also focused a lot on coaching our leaders through our external mm. provider okay. on how they can help people with their own mental health and being aware of pe- if people are suffering from some sort of anxiety or depression, yeah. particularly through this period. Yeah. So that's all stemmed from our DNI committee. And I, I love think that. I think that's exciting. fantastic because I know sort of out there in the market at the moment, I think there's a there is a a lot of consultants are feeling nervous to take leave because yeah. they've you know they know they've got to hit their numbers so there's pressure on they don't want to take the leave and it's you know and I don't think it's necessarily that the bosses are um telling them they can't do that but they feel a little bit guilty and that sort of worries me in that we know they need to take leave for their own health and just I know they can't go anywhere but you do need to have a break from doing 10 hours 12 hours a day sitting at a desk when it was lockdown time yeah of so course. that's sort of um I also think it's not just about taking leave. Leave is super important. I'm definitely encouraging. I've seen reports of people in my business who have a bit of leave left to take this year. And I'm like, get out, go home, do something. I know you can't travel, but just please switch off. Um, But I think it's also about making sure that people on a regular basis in the week take time for themselves. And I don't really mind if that's in the middle of their workday. If they want to go do a yoga class or Mm. whatever they need to do to make sure that they are tip top, they need to do that. And I think we're actively encouraging that which is really positive well, it's better for productivity so i'm really i'm, I'm glad to hear that um what else do you think
think can be done to retain female leaders in recruitment, encourage them to reach the MD roles? Um, what do you see as the major hurdles for them? And are we our own worst enemies? I think we're 100% our own worst enemies. We just naturally think about all the things that we aren't as good at or need to learn. And therefore, rather than walking into the room and saying, look, I want that MD job, I want the CEO job. We think, right, I'll do this and I'll do this and I'll demonstrate that. And then they'll give it to me. Um, And I think it's more about, I think it's more about engaging female leaders with external coaches or training to give different perspective, to build their confidence, to go for that. Yeah. They're very talented individuals, male and female here in, in Asia and Singapore, mm. but there's clearly a, a lack of there's female leaders. There's not women getting up to those, to those levels. No, not yeah. in Southeast Asia. You hardly see any females no. in those I know, when I met you, I was so excited to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> I was so sad. I came home that night. <laughs> oh, I had a lovely coffee this morning. Let me tell you all about her. <laughs> but it's, it doesn't happen often, right? It just doesn't. Um, yeah. And also, for me, is also wanting to be able to see more Singaporean ladies for in sure. those positions. 100%. as well I think they sort of cap off at sort of AD level there are a um, lot of talented individuals at AD level and then you're yeah. just willing them to push yeah. further yeah but um, I think we you touched I know we talked about this before where there is always that tendency to think I need to get the skills and the experience to get that role where yeah. and I know I actually read an article about this isn't just me sort of talking off the cuff there's that men will typically We'll just, you know, I want that role. I'll learn, I'll learn it on the role, on the on the job, which is absolutely fair as well. Yeah. But it's just different approaches to things, and you know, it's not something that's going to sort of change overnight. How do you go about trying to encourage more diversity of women getting up to those senior level positions? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, actually, my my business is fairly female dominant is at it? a leadership level. Um, so I think it's just, I so mean, maybe you're naturally already doing that. Yeah, I think I'm naturally already doing it. Although I wouldn't say that I'm sitting there going, I need a female yeah. in this role. Yeah. I think, you know, the best person gets it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think definitely being a female leader, managing some female leaders, you can see maybe some of the pitfalls that they might do and you try to actively encourage them to step away from those as much as you mm-hmm. can. But yeah, I'm still on my journey on that as well. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have good days and bad yeah. <laughs> trying to develop that. I, th- I, th- I just think that's always a, a really, I mean, I probably spend most of my time coaching a lot of female leaders and I, and I or emerging ones. And I think it is a very different journey than, than when you're coaching a guy on, on getting that, that next position. I just find that really fascinating. I just think that uh, fem- female leaders often have a maybe slightly higher EQ um or or you know they, they're more aware of the emotional impact mm. of things and so they take things much more to heart in certain scenarios yeah I think it's um I think it's also really important to just to make sure that the people around you um that you you know we talked about that before about complementing strengths making sure that you're getting everyone to play yeah. to their strengths and I think irrespective of, of of gender so do you think the working from home policies will help or hinder recruiters with what's gone on with um, COVID. I know, sort of, you know, you guys are kind of team yeah. A, team B now, yeah. um, but obviously people are still working at home. Has it has it worked? You know, w- what have been sort of common themes that have come out of that for you guys? Yeah, I think overall it's worked. Yeah. I think obviously pre-COVID, the idea of everybody working from home most of the time probably daunted a lot of recruitment firms but overall it works for us um you know people are fairly you know responsible and they get their roles done and I actually think that probably most people are doing more hours than they did in the office because they just 
you know, don't know when to switch off, which is another thing yeah, you need to focus on. Yeah, that's the sort of the challenge but, bit, isn't it? You, um, you, you, you're logging in at 7.30, 8 o'clock where you'd probably have a coffee first and then yeah, come into the office. Absolutely. So, yeah. But I think, it, yeah, it overall works. I think for certain individuals, I guess for people that are newer or, or you know, relatively junior in their recruitment career, I think it must be pretty challenging. Yeah. And I, you know, obviously we now have a policy where you can come into the office up to two or three days a week if you're in, if your team's in that day. Yeah. So I would always encourage more junior people people to come in just because I think having that team environment yeah. having people listen to your call and help you and give you advice and not just, is just that, it's also that friendship thing though like we were talking before about having a friend at work that yeah. does get you to kind of you you get excited knowing you're going to see see your work colleagues that you get on well with and that you respect that does get you out, out of bed yeah, and absolutely. so if you are just working from home and talking to your dog all day you know or sitting there with your dog all day it's not quite the same is it yeah um when we last met we touched upon the topic of training and coaching in, in what way is training and development impacted engagement and what types of programs are offered to recruiters in your team your business well I think it's probably fairly well known that Paige has a pretty extensive training yeah, program yeah. here um, I think I did a study once and I think if you joined as an associate consultant and got to manager um, within a sort of three or four year period you would have been on no less than about 30 to 35 training Brilliant. programs so Brilliant. I think we just have a natural commitment yeah. to training yeah um, and and so we've got a fantastic team and we're really lucky in Singapore because our shared service center is based in uh, here in Singapore oh, right. so our okay. L&D team is here so ah. you know we can have really quick connections to the L&D team yeah. to help us with additional training if we need it but yeah. I think there is a constant commitment from the leadership group in terms of training and yeah, on the job training good. Um, you know historically we've done kind of what we call like boot camps where we'll get people mm. together and do a day of kind of calling getting to observe their candidate meetings their client meetings their client calls their candidate yeah. calls but getting a different leader than their current leader to give feedback and yeah. sit with them the whole day yeah. that's a lot of investment of time from a leadership it very much perspective is. it very much is I, I actually and I'm, I'm not plugging this at all really I'm not because I can't even do workshops at the moment but I did that with a few firms last year and it's I can't remember the name of it now sales accelerator or something like that and I do that I actually go in on the day and just sit around different desks and watch them do you know there'd be role plays I'd pretend to be a candidate or a client and, and you're basically focused on specific yeah. skills and competencies that that client wants the person or a team to develop yeah. but I think though you know whether you do it externally or you're doing it internally it's so it's so important yeah. because it is a quick check of how that person is performing because you don't always have the time to sit in on a candidate interview no. of your guys you don't always get to do that so actually being able to sort of stop and assess that in people and I think people really love to hear that on the spot feedback you can give feedback you know straight after that meeting yeah. or the end of the day and I think it's just so I think it's so useful and I really love having different leaders do it because they'll just see something that maybe their their current manager doesn't see yeah and they'll be like, oh yeah, yeah that's the gap okay yeah. this is what we need yeah. to do or this is really great about this person because they're that too, in the too much yeah yeah, yeah I just yeah. you need to get out and look about I also think it's a really good idea when other peers like managers sit in on other meetings sit on a yeah. team meeting just to get experience just to how other people run their own one-on-ones or their weekly meetings just that rotation yeah. now especially for junior managers and you get you you get an idea of what um of, of different styles and how to yeah, sort of adapt absolutely. that in your own we also have like our senior cons um, I have a great group of senior cons they actually will run training sessions themselves about topics that consultants and associate consultants nice. want to do like nice. a bit of like presentation and then a Q&A yeah. and things like that so it is 
everybody in it together. And it also gives, I think, the, the consultants, it gives them that sense of ownership on a topic. But also if they're really great at negotiations or they're really good at client meetings, why not showcase that? That it's great for their presentation skills, yeah. but also they get buy-in and respect from the other people in the office because they know they're really good at that. Um, so I think that's always a really good idea. There's one question I'm not going to ask. We are, um, believe it or not, we are almost at the end. I, kn- oh I know, so this much fun. I know. Um, we're on the rapid fire round. Rapid fire. This is rapid fire. Okay, um, rapid fire. Yeah, so I this is... I'm getting stressed about this. Oh no, rapid this is fire, fun, this is fun. Fire. Right, what was the last podcast or book that you listened to or read that you would recommend to the listeners? Okay, The Year of Yes by Shona Rhimes. Year of Yes by Shona Rhimes. So Tell she, me about it. she basically writes things like Grey's Anatomy and How to Get oh. Away with Murder. Oh. But um, it's, all, it's kind of a biography that she's written about how she's got to the level of success she's got to and how she's changed. And it's basically all about accepting to say yes in your life. That doesn't mean you have to say yes to everything, but it means you have to say, yes, I'm accepting this and I'm going to make a change or I'm going to do this. Or I'm going to do okay, that. So it's all commitment in a Yes. In a way. Yeah. And I found it. I mean, yes. It's, it's, it's so a very. Yes. 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 Um, no, it's, it's pretty emotional. It's kind of funny. Um, okay. And there's a lot of really good, very topical themes in it. So it was the latest book in my book club. So yeah. Oh, you're in a book club. I am virtual I love... book club or face well, currently it's club. virtual. It's a virtual because still. we're too, too big a group. Uh, audible or hard book? Oh, I like a book. You like a book. I like a book. What was your favourite documentary or movie? If you don't like documentaries, um, so I really enjoy the Blue Planet. But oh, yeah. yeah, I'm up there. I'm up yeah, there I, I, lo- I really Did enjoy you cry that? though. Yeah, because I, I just cry thinking he's going to die soon. And I seriously, I'm going to take the day off. I'm going to celebrate him. David Attenborough, Richard, which one? David. David, David. He's a legend. David. He's a um, legend. But I think one of the documentaries I, worked, I listened to most recently that I thought was pretty interesting was Knocking Down the House, I which is all that. about um, uh, female uh, politicians trying to get the places in uh, the American government. Ooh, um, so really it followed Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's story. Oh, wow. It was pretty interesting. Yeah, I found it Netflix, very interesting. Netflix? Netflix, Netflix. Thank you, thank you. Definitely watch. Check that one out. I love that. Thank you. That There were some really different ones there. I'm definitely going to check those one out. What is something that you haven't yet tackled at work and you're itching to achieve? Um I want to be the MD of my business and I want to grow that and take more accountability and look at things from all angles. I think that's, that's, I love what I do right now. I want to do more. And saying yes to that. And yeah, yeah, 100%. I love it. I think that's the absolutely perfect way to end a perfect podcast. Thank you for your time Thank and being you. a guest on the show. I really appreciate it. If you'd like to get in contact with Kirsty from Page Personnel, then please check out the notes on this episode where her contact details will be found and details of anyone else mentioned on the show. If, you didn't, if you've enjoyed this pod, podcast, then don't be stingy. Share it with as many people as you can. Rate it, review it, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, our company website, The Career Establishment, and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening, everyone, and be safe out there. You have been listening to Talent Talk Asia podcast by The Career Establishment. To learn more about The Career Establishment, our people, and our latest thinking, visit us at www.thecareerestablishment.com or find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook.